Hi, I'm Holden Willemson uh, with the second episode of the Double A podcast. Uh, today, I'm uh, going to interview Alex Calabrese. Uh, he's a journalist for Hot Time in Old Town, which is the SB Nation uh, blog for the Chicago Fire. Uh, he's committed to Syracuse as a, uh, well, for journalism. And has uh, done interviews with all kinds of players all throughout the MLS. Uh, and yeah, uh, has often come out with uh, scoops on many different situations across MLS and across U.S. soccer. So I'm really excited to do this. Um, yeah, before he comes on, I'm just going to talk about a few things. Um, Champions League final. I think it's disgraceful how uh, how that whole thing was handled. I think uh, UEFA, the French police, should be ashamed of themselves. You don't tear gas children. You don't tear gas families. Uh, it's really uh, unacceptable in my opinion uh, and an equal responsibility not equal but some responsibility also lies in the hands of the fans who did try and sneak in without a ticket uh, th they should be ashamed of themselves too because they've put these people through this terrible situation where you're having children walking out of there crying saying I never want to go to a game ever again because, because they've been tear gassed and pepper sprayed by police basically for no reason other than that UEFA couldn't handle the logistics of a final, which is unacceptable. And uh, yeah, but the game itself, uh, Real Madrid, uh, they, they didn't really have many chances. Uh, Liverpool had the most of the chances uh you know there was a Mane effort that Courtois made a beautiful save on there was um a Salah header as well that Courtois made another good save on obviously uh Liverpool sometimes didn't help themselves like that Nabiqueda shot late in the game I think it was the 81st minute Oof. outside the foot ended up probably 20 feet above the goal and probably closer to the corner flag than the goal itself. But I digress. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a wonderful atmosphere. Both sets of fans singing the whole game. Uh, wonderful. Uh, the Europa League final, another really, really wonderful matchup. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, um, Frankfurt were the deserved winners. They had most of the chances, uh, which, I mean, yeah, I think normally the team that dominates should be the team that wins, but obviously uh, not always what should happen does happen. So it ended up going to penalties, and I feel like Rangers put in a very strong effort. But Frankfurt ultimately ended up deserving it. Kostic had one of the most amazing games I've seen from a player, which is, uh, which is good considering the fact that there have been talks about Ajax possibly getting him for 15 million. 
Uh, we'll have to see about that. Um, and yeah, I mean, conference league final. I was I was quite happy about that. Obviously, as an IX fan, that uh, Feyenoord lost to Roma. I mean, yeah. On the one hand, if Feyenoord did win, coefficient points for the Eredivisie. Uh, and uh, that also, in turn, would help the Eredivisie become a top five league, which then gets the Eredivisie loads of money, right? At the moment, Ajax, for winning the Eredivisie, gets 14 times less, well, over 14 times less than uh, Norwich City get for coming 20th in the Prem. Right, Norwich are getting about 140 million domestically for getting relegated, whereas Ajax are getting 10 million domestically for winning the whole thing, which I think just plays into the whole issue of uh, financial disparity in soccer. But um, yeah, I think Feyenoord, I mean, they played well, they didn't really finish their chances, although it's very tough against the uh, Team that's managed by uh, managed by Jose Mourinho, uh, he's very good at um, limiting the other team, uh, and 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 teaching his team to defend. Uh, I remember 2016-17 when uh, Ajax played against Manchester United in the champion, uh, not Champions League, Europa League final. Ajax played really, really well compared to normal, but still lost uh, because uh, you got to be clinical against a team like that. And, you know, sometimes uh, I have to say Dutch teams, maybe not the most clinical. Uh, they, they score, but they need 100 chances to score. So it's kind of, yeah. Um, I was very impressed by um, by uh, by how the city of uh, not the city, but how the stadium in Tirana handled the whole situation because there were a lot of doubts as to whether they could keep the stadium safe for the fans and for everyone around and uh, especially from the actual uh, uh, from the actual city of Tirana, uh, uh, the they weren't sure if they could supply all the staff for the uh, for the final, and the game itself security was pretty decent. Uh, I, I do have to say though, outside the stadium, it was a bit of a shambles. Uh, Feyenoord supporters, I mean, they were excited that they were in the first final for. 20 years right so some of them did some stuff that uh you know was quite frankly criminal um and those people got arrested so ultimately that shouldn't take away from the wonderful atmosphere that uh and then i begrudgingly admit it the wonderful atmosphere that they did create uh during that game uh and then, of course, one thing I'm going to especially be discussing with uh, Alex later is um, 
the potential transfer of uh, Gabriel Slonina to Real Madrid from the Chicago Fire. Uh, Chicago Fire homegrown player who uh, just made his decision uh, between the United States and Poland as he is a dual national. Uh, and I can give you a bit of a hint, uh, considering the fact that we're talking about him right now. He, he's, uh, he chose America. So, yeah, it's going to be – Alex is going to know a bit more about that than I will because he, uh, he goes to all the press conferences and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, some of the MLS results this weekend we're also going to discuss, uh, like uh, – the Chicago Fire versus Toronto FC game uh, and the New York Red Bulls against DC United, which I was, listen, I'm a Red Bulls fan, right? And I was very excited for this game because historically DC United are one of our biggest rivals, but no one showed up to the game. I mean, not no one, but there were, was like no attendance. And, and obviously the Red Bulls have struggled with attendance in recent years, but when you're playing against who is historically your biggest rival, you have to be packing the packing the stadium a bit more than that. You know, I'd say it was, I didn't see any particular numbers, but my rough estimate would be 13,000 in a 25,000 seater stadium. Well, maybe a bit more than 13,000, maybe 14, 15. But in a 25,000-seater stadium against your biggest rivals, in, in, in previous years, it'd be 21,000. Eh? So, yeah. But the Red Bulls ended up winning, and we'll discuss that later, too. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. So I'm here with uh, Alex Calabresi. Uh, and obviously uh, with... With your Chicago Fire, there's been some breaking news today uh, with the potential transfer of Gabriel Slonina. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me on. Second of all, for Gaga, I mean, he's a tremendously talented young goalkeeper, just turned 18 a couple of weeks ago. So the sky's the limit for him. But the question is, is he ready to make the next move? Where is that going to be? Uh, the rumor today was Real Madrid. We've previously seen Chelsea, Bayern Munich, Wolverhampton, Southampton, among others. So, yeah, I guess he's, he's a great player. He's got tremendous talent, great potential. But, you know, you have to be a little bit patient with him. It's not going to be the smoothest so far. But it's great to see him getting linked to such big teams. Whether there's been an actual bid submitted yet, that's not true. There hasn't been a bid received by the fire yet. but the fact that these teams are interested is just a great endorsement of his talent and potential. Absolutely. And do you think uh, that, that um, maybe his recent form might uh, possibly hinder any potential moves, or do you think that uh, the, the teams will look past it and see how much talent he legitimately has uh, and eventually uh, still make the move? I don't think it'll scare teams away, so to speak. 
how many 18-year-old goalkeepers are there anywhere in the world that are the starting goalkeeper for a top flight team? He's really the only one on the planet, and he just turned 18. So that on its own will get the attention of a lot of big names. Maybe it knocks a million or two off if he's being sold this summer. It is what it is, but yeah, I don't think it'll scare teams away, to put it that way. Yeah, and do you think that if he does go, Chicago have a have a good replacement in line potentially for Gaga? Uh, yeah, so Chicago, interestingly, is a team that somehow is managing to produce several very high potential goalkeepers. Obviously, there's Gaga, uh, but the other goalie, who's also a 2004, is Chris Brady. He's not quite as pro-level ready as Gaga yet. He's still developing. He's the same age, though, and some think, some believe that he has a higher potential than Gaga. Like, if you had asked someone a year or two ago, they probably would have said that Chris Brady was probably the higher potential goalkeeper. Gaga has kind of passed him up, but Chris Brady is still tremendously talented. And as far as replacements go, that is an excellent option to have. Then there's Spencer Ritchie, who's the backup, who's an experienced MLS goalkeeper, would probably be the number one for the rest of this season if Gaga were to leave in the summer and not be loaned back. So that's also a good, reliable option to have. He's won an MLS Cup in Seattle. And then in the pipeline, there are a couple other goalkeepers who, you know, it's really hard to tell because they're so young, but there are definitely guys coming up who in several years down the line could be potential long-term successors if Chris Brady does ever go on to leave. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, speaking of Chicago, over the weekend, they played a game against Toronto. What were your reactions uh, to that game? I honestly i have no idea how the fire lost that game i don't know if you watched the game yourself but the fire were in total utter dominant control of the match from start to finish 33 shots they had and i believe it was four or five for toronto i mean it was it was ridiculous the fire had so many chances scored some really nice goals but somehow toronto managed to score three it's really inexplicable. In the post-match press conference, Ezra Hendrickson was asked, how did you lose that game? He really didn't have a good answer. And yeah, it's just bizarre. I don't know what it is about this fire team that even when things go well, they still manage to find a way to lose. That is now, I believe, 11 games without a win. And it's inexplicable because there have been some really good performances in there. The offense has been clicking as you saw against new as the Red Bulls last week. Um, and then Toronto, like, the offense has now been starting to click. The new arrivals have been coming in and making a big impact and they somehow find ways to lose. And I, I don't understand it. It's inexplicable. Yeah. For, for some teams that'll happen. And obviously uh, against the Red Bulls, you really should have had the win there. That was, I think a last minute, goal who would score it was it was an 89th minute goal from shakiri to give us the lead in harrison and then they go down the other end gaga has some terrible positioning it's an easy layoff tap in i believe it was patrick clamala made it 3-3 in stoppage time yeah uh yeah that was uh that was a game that you know was a bit of a wake-up call i think for a lot of uh fans of both teams you know maybe 
for for the Red Bulls, it was because I remember I was talking to to some of my friends, and they were like, "Wait, we we only drew because of a goalie error, you know? Two it's goalie kinda, errors. Two goalie errors. I I, th- I think part of that too was that was when Gaga had just received the call up to the Poland camp and had been announced in their roster without actually accepting the call up. And I feel like there was a lot weighing on him during that game because of that. And that led to two individual mistakes led to conceding two really silly goals and led to the fire dropping two points. Cause you saw he made the decision two days later, he went out on social media and posted that he was going to play for the United States. So I do think that mentally there was something there during that game. Hopefully he can just move past that. That's out of the way now. He's committed to the U.S. He doesn't need to worry about it anymore. But I do think that was an aspect for him in that game. We were talking about him before, and maybe he can turn a corner after the international break, get back on track, and continue to be a good number one for the fire. Yeah. I mean, he's a very promising young player, and I'm excited to see the future for him. Uh, But, yeah. And obviously... Over the weekend, there was also uh, uh, my team's game, Red Bulls against the DC United. That was that was two really good goals. Uh, one by Lukinias, I think, and the other by Lewis Morgan. And the one thing that surprised me about that, though, was normally the Red Bulls are like what seventeen, eighteen thousand in the stadium. That game, it's against our biggest rival. Uh, how many would would you say like 13 14,000 yeah i didn't catch this game unfortunately cuz it was the same time as the fire game but um i don't know what's up with the attendance at red bull lately it's it's been kind of low especially considering the team is so good right now you know yeah i think what might have happened was um when when uh, nycfc won the won the championship last year mls cup a lot of people might have said, uh, you know, I give up and <laughs> just stopped. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's started to happen. But now that the Red Bulls are good again, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, everything comes back like like it was uh, pre-COVID where it was. I mean, like even then it wasn't impressive. Like it was, what, 20,000? But I mean, that's still one of the better attendances in the league that you can regularly get that high of an attendance. So, yeah, but now it's just, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. And also, yeah, on a different note, uh, I know that you're a very big Chelsea fan uh, and that they have a bit of a history with uh, Rafael. Well, not with Rafael Benitez, no, with Liverpool, uh, right? How, how did you react to that whole uh, Champions League final? Champions League final, I was cheering very hard for Real Madrid. Uh, you know, I, I don't like Liverpool as a Chelsea fan. I, I really didn't want them to win a quadruple. They didn't. Even a treble, we wouldn't hear the end of it. So, you know, great to see a Real Madrid win. Great to see Liverpool lose. Very happy about that game. I think Liverpool were definitely the better team. And Liverpool definitely should have taken their chances. But Thibaut Courtois is, I mean, you know, the way he left Chelsea was not nice. You know, obviously he kind of broke his relationship with Chelsea fans, but he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Definitely top three. And 
he probably doesn't get the appreciation he deserves. And that was a tremendous performance from him. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, obviously the conference league final was also recently. And I got to say, I was very happy about that. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, my Spanish teacher, he's a massive, massive Roma fan for like two or three weeks leading up to the game. He was asking me, oh, uh, what are Feyenoord fans like? Because I'm worried uh, about uh, in Tirana. I heard they're a bit violent in Tirana. Maybe it's a bit yikes. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, no, it's nice to see Jose Mourinho win. I, I, I know he, he kind of. I know he went to Man United and Tottenham after leaving Chelsea, but it's still nice to see him succeed because he's just an incredible manager and he's had a rough time the last couple of years, but he is starting to not get the credit he deserves as well. So the way he innovated the English game in the mid 2000s. So I think I'm really happy to see him win another trophy and do it with a team like Roma who, you know, haven't won a European trophy. So, yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the Europa League final where Frankfurt beat Rangers, but that was a while back. Still, uh, actually, it's been so long since my last episode. It's still uh, been in the time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was an interesting game too, right? With James that was pretty Sands entertaining. Well. It was an entertaining game. Two tremendous sets of fans, which is always amazing to see. They filled up that stadium. And, uh, yeah, I think... It could have gone either way, go to a penalty shootout. It's kind of a, toin, a coin toss. And, yeah, I'm happy to see Frankfurt win it. I believe that's their first continental trophy as well. Happy to see Timothy Chandler get a, a trophy. Never thought I'd see him winning the Europa League. So, yeah, that, that, that was a fun game to watch. Very entertaining. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. For sure, no problem. So yeah, that was the uh, second episode of the Double um, A podcast, you know, and uh, I had quite enjoyed it. Alex is a very big uh, uh, social media personality and a really great guy in general. So I'm really happy to have had him on. Um, just a really great guy in general. And I recommend you all drop him a follow on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, I believe his Instagram is um, uh, his Instagram is uh, am calabrese twenty two, uh, and his TikTok, which some of you may have seen before, if you're in the soccer community, is at uh, C-A-L-A-S-H-U-A-Y-I, Kalashuai. Um, so yeah, I recommend you all drop him a follow. Uh, and uh, yeah, everyone have a nice day uh, and see you in the next episode.